Autumn, is that your first time to sing a solo? I thought so. She did good, didn't she? She did good. Uh, she didn't shake real bad or anything. So that was great. That was good. All right, I, uh, a couple of things I just want to say. Uh, first of all, okay, where's Brother Vince? He wants my titles. He said, I don't give him my titles, and he ran off. Okay, you don't care, do you, Brother Wayne? You know, yeah. All right. Um, the choir, uh, let's see. Joe Beth, where'd you go? Joe Beth, February the 4th, Saturday. We don't have anything going on the first, or the first Saturday. Is that when the uh, seniors, what time? Okay. All right. That really won't affect this, will it? Okay. Uh, the choir, Brother Hopper's going to have, choir's going to have a potluck on February the 4th, Saturday at 7 p.m. So if you're, I'm sorry, here at the church. So over at the, uh, the uh, Fellowship Hall, Dining Area, all that, uh, you come over in a potluck February the 4th. The potluck really sounds good right now. But uh, February the 4th at 7 p.m. And so um, we'll probably, with the, the Merry Hearts Club, we'll go out to eat about 2. You come back, and then you get to join the choir, come back and eat at 7 p.m. Amen? Uh, so also, I just want to remind you, Wednesday, we're having the, the Book of Romans. We're teaching on the Book of Romans, going through it verse by verse, and I think you really enjoy that. It's so much. It's just so chock full with with truth in the book of Romans. And I thought about that, announcing that uh, this, uh, this evening, because uh, I said this morning, I had a Sunday morning service, uh, was actually, you know, kind of had a Sunday night sermon for a Sunday morning. And uh, tonight, uh, I've got kind of a Wednesday night service uh, for tonight. So uh, uh, this is more of a, a teaching type of thing. But uh, I just, again, felt impressed. Okay, Brother Vince is back. All right, Brother Vance, <laughs> praise the Lord. You got this? Write this down. Four qualities that make you invaluable. You got that? Are you all happy now? Yeah, all right. Okay. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight, these four qualities that make you invaluable. Not just valuable, but just invaluable. It just, uh, and, and, you know, well, we'll start out with a word of prayer. We'll get into it. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless. Holy Spirit of God, I, I pray that you please guide my mind, my thoughts. Lord, thank you for this wonderful crowd that's come out tonight. Lord, uh, thank you for the fact that you've, you, you've put your hand upon our church, and, and we're, we're seeing growth. It's alive, and, and we're seeing people come and seeing lives changed and seeing people uh, saved and baptized. And, and, Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for people that are coming back. And, and Father, please don't ever, uh, ever let me be amiss and, and, and not be, uh, bring something uh, from your word that would be a blessing and a help and encouragement uh, to everyone that comes. And, and Holy Spirit of God, I can do nothing, so now I, I yield myself to Thee, and I ask You, please, fill me with Your presence and Your power, that even uh, in, a, in a lesson, in a teaching, that You might, uh, might help someone and change someone's life, even uh, by the truth that we find, please. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read uh, just three verses out of uh, Psalm 
uh, Psalm 1, and this is really not our text, but just a kind of foundational thing. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, and his leaf also shall not wither. And notice this, and it says the very last phrase, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. God says that there is a way that no matter what we do, we prosper. God says that, that if we will follow the, the, the biblical truth, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And so uh, that's what we're going to be talking about tonight, how the law of God, how the truth of the Word of God can help us to prosper in any situation. How, and, and by that, I mean that we can be valuable in any situation. That means valuable in our marriage. That means in, invaluable in our marriage relationship, invaluable in our, in our, uh, our place as a, as a father or a mother, our, uh, invaluable in our relationship at church. The truth is, is that this principle, if you uh, work in the church or if you don't, if you're just a member, it's still you can, be, you can be invaluable in the surroundings that you're in. It, it also applies to work. Now, most of the time when teaching about employment, uh, you'll, you'll hear people state or they'll write about these types of things, uh, kind of the following 10 qualities, you know, kind of looked at it, and they'll give you, this guy will say 10, this guy will say 15, this one will say 20, but these are the types of things that they'll tell you to be, be valuable at your, at your place of employment. Number one, be character-driven, to be character-driven. Number two is to be multi-skilled and that, uh, you know, that you can do more than one thing. And, and uh, number three, this is an incredible one, be re- reliable. Be reliable. That's, that's pretty, pretty needful. Uh, a positive attitude. You know, it's, it's amazing how much the Scripture talks about this, but the world knows they need somebody with a positive attitude, a positive spirit, somebody that has uh, a, a good attitude at work. Number, uh, that's number four. Uh, number five is responsible responsible for whatever you're given to do, that you look at it and realize this is my job, this is my responsibility, and, and you get it done. The uh, uh, Number six is proactive. Uh, this is uh, something I always talk about, you know, when I'm talking to, to young people, especially about job. I said, have initiative, be proactive, look for something to do and get it done. And then number seven is be dependable, dependable. And uh, and, of course, dependability, Brother Evans, back our old college president, he would say dependability is the greatest ability. And, uh, and, I, and it really is. If you're not dependable, then what's it matter? I mean, you may be incredibly talented, but you're not dependable. Uh, what good is it? And so, uh, number eight is diligence. Have, be diligent about the task that's given. Number nine is to be self-disciplined. Self-disciplined. And number 10 is to be dedicated, dedicated to the task. Now, uh, when you look at employment, these are, these are some wonderful things. And the truth is, anybody that's been involved in employment, and, and uh, uh, you know, before I left here, I went to business for, you know, a little over, little over a year, and, and, uh, and had, especially at Christmas time, that one Christmas that I was in retail, man, I had to hire a lot of part-time labor. And, and uh, you know, I was looking for people that fit these kind of, kind of attributes, and and, uh, but we're not looking at just employment or what the world deems necessary for necessary qualities right now. What, rather, we're looking for a person that's invaluable in all 
relationships of life. And so, would these help? Yes, they'll help. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you four qualities uh, from the Scripture that I believe encase all of these. Uh, that if we'll get these, just these four, they'll take care of everything else, really. Uh, and so, uh, it just really, this necessarily leads us to the Word of God. If we're going to find some way to be invaluable in every relationship, that means, uh, again, if in school, if you're in school, that you're invaluable at school. If you're, if you're work in your work realm or, or in the marriage realm or in the church realm or in the, any place that you are to be invaluable. Here's Proverbs. Go to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3. And uh, we were a little warm at first. Are y'all getting cold now? You're cold now. Okay, see? See what you did? You went and messed everything up. Can you go bump it up a, ten, a degree? Uh, okay, who's cold in here? Uh, that's who said it. Uh, all right. I just saw, and you're fanning back there? Okay, anybody know how to punch? Uh, Jeremy? Where'd you go, Jeremy? Oh, yeah, Jeremy. Go back here and bump it up a degree. You say, does a degree help? No, but it psychologically just makes you feel like we did something. Truthfully, he's going to go back there and he won't touch anything. So, no. You got it? Okay, you all warmer now? Sure you are. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3, and I'm not sure why Jeremy just left. Oh, he went to do the other side too. You know, I was here for about uh, six months before I realized there was a thermostat on both sides. <laughs> Great. I'm very observant. I really, I didn't know. I just, great. All right, Jeremy, would you please come on back here? All right, hurry up. All right. Jeremy, uh, Jeremy, <laughs> Proverbs. We're going to Jeremy chapter 3. Uh, it's blank. Okay. <laughs> Jeremy chapter 3, yes. Okay, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3. It says, let not mercy and truth forsake thee, Bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. Look what it says now. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Okay, so right here we find out the first two of the, of the four. We find the first two of the four, right, is God just throws it out here in such a simplistic way. He said, you know what? If you want to have, be in good favor with God and man, and can I tell you, you're, you're becoming invaluable when you're in good favor with God. You know, if I got anybody working with me, if they're in good favor with God, that helps. Amen? That helps. Now, uh, intelligence helps also, but apparently that's not a you know, a dire quality. But the, um, the, the good favor with God is so important, and good favor with man is so important. And look what it says. It says, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table. God says this. God says, I want you to know them. I want you to have them as part of you. I want them to be visible in your life. But he also says, I want them to be a part of your inner being. I want them to be part of your soul. I want, it, I want this to be something that's real inside of you. And what are they? Mercy and truth. Now, for us to better understand, uh, in this context, in this verse, and in, in this definition, mercy is very close to what we would understand as kindness. Kindness. And, and, and so... 
Kindness. The word translated mercy in the Bible is also translated in some verses as kindness. And this verse right here is very similar to that. God says that this, this uh, of the Proverbs 31 woman, it says, In Proverbs 31, 26, she openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. Same word. Same exact word. And God says this, this Proverbs 31 woman is, a, is, is God is praising this woman. God is saying to every woman in the world, this is the woman you ought to be. If you're this woman, you're blessed. Uh, your, your husband is going to rise up and call you. Your children are going to rise up and call you blessed. You're just you're this kind of woman. Now, in today's instant gratification, me first society, kindness seems to be more of a leftover than an entree. It really does. Kindness is kind of, okay, I will be, and here's, here's, here's the way kindness most of the time comes, comes out in anyone. If you're kind to me, I'll be kind to you. But if you're not kind to me, I'm not kind to you. But, but true biblical kindness means I'm going to be kind to everybody. I'm going to have kindness in my spirit, in my attitude toward everybody. In other words, uh, you know, here's what our problem is. We're in a society that says, I'll take care, care of me first. And if I have any time or money left over, I'll give that to others. When others think of us, here's the first thought that they should, should come into their mind, and it really would make a difference in how we are valuable. And look, in our home, this ought to be the first thought that comes to the mind of our children, comes to the mind of our spouse. Listen to this now. They're kind. They're kind. Here at church, it ought to be the first thing that people think about you. They're kind. Now, you may be incredibly intelligent, you may be hilarious, you may, be, uh, you may have all kinds of talents and abilities, and people think of that, but some, God, God says that this is a vital truth that you've got to have. If you're really going to be valuable in every situation, you've got to be kind. And this is, I told you it's going to be a real simpli- simplistic truth, but it's so, it's so important that we're just kind to each other. Folks, that means how we speak to each other is, is vitally important. Have a little discretion. Don't speak your mind. It's a very short conversation. Don't speak your mind. Look, be kind. That means some things don't have to be said. And watch this. Every man in here has heard this before. It's not what you said. Come on now, help me. It's not what you said. It's the way you said it. And you know what? If I hear that one more time, I'm not going to be kind. <laughs> but look, it, it is important how we express ourselves. It is important how we see things. And, and I, I've, I would like to say I've mastered this, but it's something that I'm still continuing to work on. Can you smile, Joe That's a fake smile if I ever saw one. See, uh, it's something that, that I, I will be, you know, I can answer quickly, sharply at times, especially if something's being done that I think is lacking in intelligence. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, I better move on to something else. uh, When others think of us, it really should be that they should think of us as kindness Kind people, somebody that's just kind, they're courteous, they're good. Proverbs 19.22 says, the desire of a man is his kindness. And a poor man is better than a liar. Now, the truth is this verse 
has both of the truths inside of it. You see, what we read, we said, the, the verse said here that, uh, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Proverbs 19.22, the desire of a man is his kindness, and a poor man is better than a liar. You have mercy and truth here, the, how important that they are. Notice how mercy or kindness and truth are tied together again in this verse. There can be no true kindness. Listen to this. There can be no true kindness if there is dishonesty. For dishonesty cares for itself, not for others. Now, but that's only half of, of Solomon's directive. The second half is to write them on the table of our heart. In other words, make them the central part of who you are and what you are about. Now, the second word we look at in this verse is the second truth. And we're going to get this and we'll be out on time. But the second word is to look at this verse is this word, this word truth. People assume that because dishonesty often brings short-term advantages and it does not apparently have significant negative consequences over the long term, that it's okay. People, people somehow assume that if, if being dishonest or shading the truth or not telling all the truth gives you some short-term advantage, that it's really not going to affect the long term either. And, and nothing could be farther from the truth. Dishonesty is always going to affect every relationship. It's always going to affect the relationship. Truth creates secure, treasured relationships, whereas dishonesty brings insecurity and disvalues a relationship. And so we, we have to understand, truth creates secure and treasured relationships. Anytime we tell the truth all the time in a rela- with anybody in a relationship, they are more secure in that relationship. But sadly, it only takes one lie. It only takes one lie. It only takes one shading of the truth. It only takes one time where you didn't tell at all and you, you kind of hid something from somebody. And immediately they start to, to distrust. They start to, have, uh, they start to struggle with their relationship with you. And watch this now. The moment that happens, you're not as valuable in that relationship. Knowing that you can rely on a trusted friend's word makes you feel safe and secure in that relationship. Now, I beg you now, if somebody in a marriage right now has struggled in this area, don't, don't, don't take this into condemnation now because the reason this kind of thing is preached is not because everybody's already lived it perfectly and now we're going to you know, just make sure we don't ever err. No, the, the reason we do this is, is sometimes it's for preventative maintenance and sometimes it's for breakdown maintenance. Okay, we preach these kind of things because somebody may have struggled in this area and they may wonder why they're struggling in their relationship in that, with that area. You understand? I mean, if you've struggled with honesty in a relationship, in a marriage, if you struggle there, then probably your marriage is struggling. Okay. So watch this now. Don't go and look at them or right now your mind may be thinking, yeah, that's his problem, that's her problem. Don't do that. Here's what you do. Say, thank God that's the answer. We need to work on that. 
We can do better with that. With God's help, we can start. Always realize you can't tra- change the past, but bless God right now, we can sure try to work on the future. It's all about the future. It's all about from here on. It doesn't matter what you went through or what you've done. Watch this. We're starting right here, right now, today with a new life. Because I can't do anything about yesterday. But I can sure start today and say, you know what? I've messed up, but from this point on, and you say, well, well, I want them to instantly trust me then because now I'm going to tell the truth all the time from this point on. Okay, they, they can't instantly. They're human. Give them time. You, you ever heard the term, a little water under the bridge? Okay, there needs to be a little bit of time where we show that what we say we're doing or are going to do, we really are going to walk that walk. And again, now, watch this now. We're, there's nobody in here that when they make that decision, there's probably nobody in here, we've had struggles in this area in the past, that we're going to just flip over right now and walk perfectly. But uh, as somebody said today, I was talking to, you know, some, it's, it's like two steps forward and one step back. Okay, but if we made two steps forward, we made progress. Okay, so let's, let's praise the progress. Honesty provides a concrete foundation upon which a lasting relationship can be securely built. Dishonesty crumbles the foundation and greatly hinders the possibility for a lasting relationship. Now, kindness, we're going back to that, creates value and appreciation in a relationship. A person who routinely extends unexpected acts of kindness uh, it makes, they are made uh, more valuable in that relationship. And they're more valuable to others in that relationship. Truth and kindness increase commitment, loyalty, and motivation. Whenever you, you're kind and honest with someone, it raises their level of commitment and loyalty to you. Now, the truth is, the, we, 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 it's reciprocated to us. If we are kind and we're truthful and loyal to someone, now that gives us a greater probability that they're going to reciprocate. Now, roadblocks to this kindness and truth, self-centeredness and self-involvement. Look, it's just all about me. Why is it so easy to exaggerate, bend the truth, or lie by omission? Because doing so temporarily puts us in a better position than telling the absolute truth. Why do we really lie? Because it's better for me. That's really it. It's a selfish thing. It's better for me. There are only three reasons, and listen to this, and I'm going to move on from this, but there are only three reasons that someone is dishonest. One is to promote ourselves. Uh, we, it, was, it was hilarious. It was sad, but it was hilarious. Uh, Jeff, we used to work with a sailor ministry. You go get those sailors. Go get them great lace. They just got out of boot camp. They've never, you know, many of them come from small towns, this, that, and we go get them, and, and we're going to go play Football, we're going to play flag football, 11 on 11 under the lights, and we'd go get them. You'd be amazing how many of those guys were all state. You would be amazing how many of those guys were the best player on their team. You would be amazed at how many of those guys won championships. You would be amazed at how many of those guys had college scholarships but turned them down to go to the Navy. Um, 
It's amazing. I mean, these guys would come out, and every one of them was a star. Every one of them was all state. I had one of them tell me one time, he said, yeah, I was all, now, now get this, this guy's about 5'9", and he weighed about 145 pounds. He said he played two years linebacker for Oklahoma. And I looked at him, and he said, yeah, I was all state in high school. And I said, really? And, uh, and uh, I said, what position? He said, defensive tight end. Uh, a little more laughter out of y'all would help. Uh, you see, that there, you have a tight end on offense. You have a defensive end on defense. There's no such thing as a defensive tight end. I looked at him and I said, you must have been All-State because you were the only one in the state. Um, now, they promote themselves. Number two is to protect themselves. We lie to protect ourselves. To tell the truth means I'm going to have to suffer some consequences. Number three, to manipulate the thoughts and feelings or actions of others. Unfortunately, all three of these reasons are false perceptions. They, we really don't build ourselves up by lying. We don't protect ourselves. And the truth is, we really never change the circumstances we're in with others. Dishonesty produces never-ending stress. Dishonesty ultimately creates unexpected crumbling of a relationship. The relationship will crash seemingly without warning when it's a relationship of dishonesty. No one ever tells a lie or hides the truth thinking that doing so is to destroy the very life they are trying to enjoy. They always think this is going to make it better. And can I tell you, that's a lie that Satan has told you. Satan has told you that if you lie, this thing's going to be better than if you tell the truth. And can I tell you, it never works out that way. Initially, the truth may sting. It may hurt, and you may have to pay some consequences. But can I tell you, it's so much better than the, than the ditch you dig of a lie. Because one lie always begets another lie to cover up that lie. Now, the third characteristics, and that's not a fun one. Okay, we're going to move off of that one because everybody right now is saying, okay, you were mean enough this morning. You don't need to be mean tonight. Smile at me, folks. Are we all okay? Are you all thinking I should have stayed and watched whatever playoff game's going on? The, number three is this. What makes you invaluable? This third characteristic that makes a person invaluable is generosity. Generosity. Now, I'm preaching this because Paul is back here, and he's independently wealthy, and I'm hoping that Paul's going to really uh, catch hold of this truth. Now, uh, now, Proverbs 11, look at Proverbs 11, chapter, uh, Proverbs 11, verses 24 and 25. Anybody believe the Bible? Okay, two people up here do. Anybody believe the Bible out there? Okay, here's Proverbs 11, chapter 24. I keep saying that. Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. Look at what it's saying. It's a, there's one that is generous and gives. And what it's saying is, it seems like the more he gives, the more he gets, the more he increases. 
Then there's one that withholdeth more than his meat. He's, he keeps back all that he possibly can. Anybody know that, what, what we call a penny pincher? I mean, they just, they save every dime. They make sure they just, maybe you live with them. No. Uh, that's what it's taught me. He's, but it says, he tended to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. God, this whole passage is talking about our generosity, our giving. And when he's talking about watereth, he's saying, you know what? If you'll give to someone else and someone else's need, God said, it's okay. You're going to get. Now, we don't give to get, but God just says, look, if you have the right heart and attitude about it and you give to the needs of others, you're going to be okay. You're going to get taken care of. You're going to get provided for. And folks, can I just challenge you? This really does make you valuable in any situation. There's nothing more that's less valuable in a relationship than a stingy person. A person is just always holding on and doesn't want to help anybody ever. That's, that's a miserable person. You know what? That, that's Scrooge. Okay? It's just, it's a terrible life. But a joyful life is when God blesses you and you're able to do something for somebody else. It really is. And watch this, the more you do for somebody else, it is amazing how God just keeps dumping on you so you can do for somebody else. It's, it's, in, it's incredible. Uh, my wife always says to me, she says, Rob, you can make a dollar stretch, stretch farther than anybody I know because we, we lived off of some pretty minimal income for, for many, many years. Can I tell you, it's really not. It, everybody has a different love language, and everybody has something inside them that compels them. And I'll be honest with you, I am a gift giver. I, I, I mean, it's one of my love languages. I love to give gifts. I love to meet needs. I love to do that. Now, it's, it's something I think I was born with. I think it's something, it's not a spiritual thing. It's just, I, I'm addicted. I just, I got to do it. I, I just, if I got money, I never, I never have money in my pocket because if I do, I'm going to give it away. Why? It's, it's something so enjoyable about that. But watch this. The little after effect of it is we've lived off of nothing for 30-something years, and God has paid every bill. He's always supplied everything we needed. He's always given us everything we needed. He's always, the money's always been there to pay the, the rent or the house note or the utilities or pay whatever. God is always taking care of us. That's... I'm not, I'm not really good at budget. The truth is, I've never had one. But yeah, um, because God just blesses. He just blesses. Generosity is one of the most admired abilities a person can exhibit. It really is. It's kind of the cousin of, of kindness. I mean, it really... I tell you, anybody here, if you know somebody who's generous, you like them. I mean, you do. If you know somebody who's generous, Paul, uh, you like them. You really do. It's, it's really hard to, uh, to, to dislike somebody that's saying, you have a need? Let me help you. 
That's really hard to dislike that. Although my preacher used to say, I don't know why those people are upset at me. I never did anything for them. And what he was saying was, he said, it seemed like everybody I do something for, they, you know, they turn on me. But, but the fact is, is that really, truthfully, you become incredibly valuable in any realm. And I'm talking about work with lost people. You'd be at work with lost people if, if you sit down with them and you realize this Calvary didn't bring money for lunch and you just say, hey, man, I, I, why don't you eat? You know, I, man, I, I'm broke. Or I, and you buy him a sandwich you buy, and you have that kind of heart. Can I tell you, those people will appreciate you. That kind of spirit and that kind of attitude doesn't lose their job. They really don't. The amount is not the issue. It's based on the ability to give. People who give, especially sacrificially and thoughtfully, are admired and appreciated. But also the biblical promises that the generous person will not lack. That's what God's teaching. You know, psychologists say that there are two great motivating forces in a person's life. And here are the two great motivating forces in a person's life. It's their desire to gain and their fear of loss. That's it. So can, can I tell you, look, it, it, let's just eliminate that. That'll torment you. Fear is not of God. And they say, psychologists say that the fear of loss is such, so look, watch this. I can't lose anything. I don't have anything. My wallet's empty, so I can't lose it. If I lose it, I'm losing my ID. That's it. So I don't have fear of loss. I can't. It's like you drive down the road, and, and, and watch this. Do you think there's any con artist out there begging on the road? Anybody believe that might be possible? Yeah. And when we're driving down the road, if we stop, and there's somebody out there, and, and he's limping, or he's whatever, and he's whatever you call it, panhandling, we join. Probably about 75% of the time, if there's enough time at the light, if we've got any change, any money in the car, we're going to give it to them. You say, well, maybe they're just there conning you. Maybe. They got an answer for that. I want to make sure I never become cold to the needs of others. Can I tell you, that's why I keep telling you, if you can't go to the couples retreat and it's financial, talk to me. Because I want to make sure you go because I don't want you to miss it. And to me, money's not important. It's really not. As long as you keep paying me, it's not. But the, no, it's, it's, God can take care of it. Now, all right. Oh, man. I said I was going to get fourth characteristic is this, is gratefulness. Amen. Gratefulness. Amen. You know, in every relationship, people value somebody that appreciates what they do. I, let me just throw this at the husband's little pre, you know, couple's retreat kind of little thing. Appreciate what your wife does. Amen. Appreciate the food that she makes. I appreciate every slice of toast my wife burns. <laughs> Listen, she's burned enough toast to, to I mean, honestly, to, to load a bakery. 
The woman never, she always puts it in the oven to it. You know, we don't do the toaster thing. It's too long to just sit there and wait. She, she puts, you know, four, five, six slices in there all buttered up, slides them in there. Oh, it, there's no way. I don't know in all of our 38 and a half years that I've ever seen her pull it out right the first time. <laughs> she will walk away from it. I mean, my daughters say, Mom, it's, it's like a minute. Can you stand there and look at it? No, it's not possible. She's off to something else. She's going to burn it. Now, but look, you got to be just gratefulness, gratefulness in a marriage, gratefulness. Uh, look, uh, children, can I, let, you kids, if, you, if you're, are we kids? Uh, any kids in there? You listen to me, listen to me. You want to be really, really valuable, and you want to be able to manipulate your parents, um, watch this. Appreciate what they do for you. Being grateful for what somebody does, I'm telling you, look, if a person is generous and you're grateful for their generosity, watch it. They will do incredible things. Because you, you, it's just something about somebody who's grateful for what you've done. It makes you want to do it again. I had a, a, a fellow that was very, very kind to me. And uh, he'd done some amazing things f- for me and taken me on trips and done things for me. And, and he'd given me, uh, you know, a fair amount of money. And, and, and I just, I, I sold a car. I hardly ever sell a car. I, I just, because I just can't stand to, to sell something that may fall apart on somebody. So I, I just don't do that. I usually just give them away. But, but this one, I, I begged the guy. I kept telling him, don't buy my car, don't buy it. He kept saying, I want your car, I want your car, I want your car. And I finally gave him a really dirt low price and said, please forgive me if there's anything wrong with it. I think it's, you know, but anyway, I sold this car, $2,500. As soon as I got the check for this, from this guy, uh, uh, God just spoke to my heart that I ought to give that money to this fella that had been so good to us. Now, the, the truth is that fella doesn't need my money. He's like Paul. And so uh, he doesn't need my money. And so, uh, but God said to him, do it. So I called him, and he was in a restaurant not far from my house. I drove over. He's eating with a, another businessman there, and I, and I walked over to him, and, and I slid an envelope to him, and I said, God told me to give you this, and I, and I took off and, and, and went away. And he wrote me an incredible letter. He said, you know, I've given thousands upon thousands and even maybe $100,000 to people. And he said, I've given so much money away. He said, in my life, no one has ever given me anything until this gift. Now, I'm going to tell you again, you don't do it for this reason, but I also got a phone call from my pastor one day, uh, and I walked into his office, and he said, I wanted you to know this man has this gift for you, but he wanted me to give it to you directly, and he handed me a check for $20,000. You know, you can't outgive God. You just can't do it. But that just, that simple appreciation, and that's what I did. I just felt like God was telling me, you need to tell this man thank you for all he's done. And he's a man that understands money. And to thank you, why God said, but God told me to give him that money. And I'll be honest with you, it was a huge sacrifice at that time for me to do it. Now, 
Proverbs eleven sixteen says, A gracious woman retaineth honor. Now, this word gracious is very akin to gratefulness. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom no, there uh, is no variableness or shadow of turning. You, you see, none of us are self-made. We have what we have because of a good and gracious God. And this should, understanding this verse and understanding what God just said there, should inspire us to gratefulness, which should inspire us to graciousness. And I believe that God will bless and make valuable in every relationship. And it would cover those ten things we announced if we would just decide, I'm going to be merciful. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be truthful in my relationships. And even though maybe I've learned a pattern of protecting myself, which means not telling the truth, today, with God's help, I'm going to change that pattern of life. I'm going to be generous. doesn't have to be much. You got a quarter in your pocket, or you got 50 cents in your pocket, and you give a quarter to somebody else. That's still being generous and being grateful for all that God's done and being grateful for all that people do. I believe those are four biblical attributes that will encompass every list that the secular world puts out. These are four biblical attributes which will make a person invaluable in any relationship, not just productive and successful in the work environment, but successful in any relationship. And I really was preaching this tonight that it might be, it might continue to be the testimony of Calvary Baptist. Because I believe this is what we have seen since we've come here. This is what we have received since we've come here. It's kindness and truth and generosity and gratefulness. And I pray that we continue to do that. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless Lord Jesus. I thank you for allowing me just to...